0: on today's episode we have artist Nexus J join us for a conversation a real and honest conversation about the difficulty of relationships y'all i was definitely in a place when i recorded this episode and i know nexus j was also having some relational things that she was going through so it was the perfect storm to just explore boundaries breakups and all the relational skills that are needed to do these with grace and so I'm sure y'all are going to see, but Nexus J just has a brain that I so deeply, deeply admire, the way that she explores all these different ideas with creativity and honesty and vulnerability and... I just think she is a fabulous person on top of being a wonderful artist. And um, yeah, I definitely think she's just great. I have a little crush on her, but woo, side point. Um, So yeah, y'all, I think you're going to understand why there's a part one and a part two. This is a very long conversation, but I think all of it is just so meaningful and definitely something that I hope to listen back on at one point and learn from all the lessons that we shared with one another. So y'all, tune in.
1: Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC.
0: Awesome. Okay. Well, then I know you were talking about moving. Yeah. I'm very curious. <laughs> yeah. It's a whole different world. Could you tell me what's going on? Yeah.
1: Okay. Um. So... Yeah, I explained it as its own universe because there's a huge spectrum to this experience, right? Like, there's macro-level shit and micro-level shit. Like, for example, micro-level thumbs-up moment. I brought a bunch of my plants from Chicago when I just – because I just went back for a trip, as you probably knew, um, to do a show with Blitter Money. Super yeah. awesome show. yeah. So, I mean, we could get into that later, I'm assuming. But I brought a bunch of my plants back because (laughs) I love my plants and had to leave them with a friend to foster for a little. But I'm so happy because they're here now, and I just replanted all of them yesterday, and now they're on my windowsill. And it's like on a micro level, it's just this adorably wholesome moment that brings me so much joy. Mm. Um, And then like macro level – joyful things are I would say well I guess it's like a mix because I'm strengthening strengthening a lot of independence I'm working on these skills of like moving through emotions of loneliness Um, I'm working on my relationship with my dad because that's Mm. another whole thing Um, he lives out here but we weren't like he wasn't my primary caretaker um, And we had a relatively estranged relationship for most of my mm-hmm, life. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I plopped myself right in the middle of all of that inner child shenanigans. Wow, yeah. So it's just like a lot um that has many layers to it, both really challenging and difficult, and also like really he- healing and fulfilling and joyful. So mm-hmm. it's just like just a shit ton of Ooh, layers to yeah. a bunch of different things really Oh
0: yeah welcome mm-hmm. to the human experience Woo. oh yeah
1: radical <laughs> like super super fun
0: yeah I think that's why I was so drawn to you because when you came on stage you I mean that was one of the first things you talked about
1: that is true I barely that's another thing <laughs> that show I just kind of blacked out a couple of times okay, yeah, so I don't remember like what I did or didn't do do you remember like what I said
0: yeah you had said I just moved and you know you wanted to be like oh yeah it's independent hell yeah hell yeah but really it's a lot of crying <laughs> and everyone cheered Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay yeah totally totally I've been crying so much that's oh my very accurate <laughs> and it's funny because like I, I've been telling this story a few times where mm-hmm. when I first came into town like After I landed, the next day, I found out that I was really sick.
0: Oh, no. No, it was this
1: whole thing because COVID makes everything so interesting. It wasn't COVID, thank goodness, but it was strep throat, which I've actually never gotten in my life before.
0: Yeah,
1: Yeah. I don't know. Like, I was just like, oh, strep throat. Like, it's just like a sore throat, but maybe like a little worse. It was way worse. So bad. And so it's just funny. Like, I land into this new city. (laughs) and then for a week could like not leave my bed and so I cried a lot and then on top of that you know I guess I didn't mention this but like I'm living with my dad right now I'm not just here yeah 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 um but anyway like I experienced all this sickness and then like had to be taken care of Mm. by my father for the first time in like several decades and that was just like a true mind fuck for sure for sure so crying totally totally was crying
0: a lot wow wow (laughs) I mean that's living with your dad after what you said I'm trying to piece together how difficult that might be and to yeah establish new relationships and understanding of yourself in that dynamic oh Oh. totally Mm -hmm. yeah how have you been how have I
1: been um yeah every day is very different for sure for sure yeah. Mm, you know, some days, yeah, some days I'll wake up and be like, I literally hate this so much. Mm. Like, I hate that I'm here. I hate that I did this to myself. Like, just kind of that Yeah. mentality. And then some days I'll wake up, like, for example, today was nice because I wake up and I look outside and it's just so foggy. Like, mm. like a film type yeah, of foggy. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God, like, that's so magical. And um, then I just get really grateful. And so, you know, every day, and I should even say every moment is incredibly different. Yeah, it's mostly challenging. I'll be honest, like a lot of it is really challenging. Mm -hmm. At the same time, when I was making the decision to come here, a big part of that was like, I do want to push myself to just explore really who I am when I take away the part of myself that um, is defined by my relationships. Mm. I just have been the type of person, unabashedly, I'll say like I've craved and like thrived through validation and through like feeling seen. Hey, we are <laughs> like, insane. Hi, <laughs> we are, yes. Same Hello. community. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> and you know, that's not a bad thing at all. Like that's a human yeah. thing, you know. Yeah. But at the same time, I just got to a place where I was like, I feel like, I almost felt like I couldn't function or couldn't, like, mm. understand who I was without yeah. running it through, whether that was, like, my Instagram community or, you know, that's a whole thing. But Oof. even, you know, my most loved ones that I truly feel do see and understand me, it just kind of got to this point where, where I was like, well, is this really me? Or am I just, like, regurgitating the version of myself that's being mirrored back to me by yeah. everybody that I know? Oh, yeah. And so... I'm here. And like, yeah, I think it almost feels like I'm in the acid trip phase of the experience where like, it doesn't make sense. But there's this core of feeling that I'm like, I think all these feelings and questions and thoughts are all leading to me understanding myself truly, truly a lot better.
0: Yeah, it sounds like mm-hmm. you're very curious to find out who you are.
1: Yes, I I almost got the huge desire to run over to this other side of my room. I have this little <laughs> this little art box yeah, yeah, that yeah. says stay curious. Oof. And it just made me think of that cuz curiosity has also been a really important grounding word. Like instead mm-hmm. of being afraid or worried, or confused or maybe I shouldn't say like instead of but maybe in addition to all those feelings right trying to involve curiosity is like a really Mm. helpful thing to do you know just stay curious like you don't know what's going to happen but that doesn't have to be overwhelming it just can be what it is you know
0: definitely
1: definitely Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. and
0: I I am trying to do that as well. I just went through a breakup and have been trying to like hold on to the, I know, oh, relationship, So I'm here for all of it. Oh, bless your heart. It's also my first female relationship. So just like all of the feels, all of the feels. I know. Oh my so,
1: God, I feel for you so uh, much right now. If I, When did that happen, if I may ask?
0: Which part? The breakup? <gasps>
1: <laughs> the, <laughs> the pain? I don't know. <laughs> what chapter are we talking about? The breakup. How recent uh, was that? It
0: was like. A week and a half ago and I got back my stuff from her yesterday.
1: Oh my goodness. Sweet baby angel.
0: Oh yeah, thank you.
1: <laughs> yeah, I feel for you that can't be easy. No,
0: no, it is not. But I'm trying to hold on to the curiosity, right? Like, and I didn't even use those words. I came into mm. therapy telling my therapist, like, I'm so excited to see the way that the universe is gonna show up for me and provide new relationships, be it with myself, with other people, and I'm ready for that. And she's like, You sound oh. curious. And I was like, Damn. Yeah, that is a great way to understand this is that we're just like ready to see ourselves and the world and then kind of take a step back from all these relationships. But it's tricky because we are social creatures. Like we're Facts. not meant to be completely alone. Yeah. I don't know if our concept of self can be truly isolated.
1: Wow. Uh,
0: I just, <laughs> I just,
1: um, oh, that's like one of my favorite <sighs> topics that you just hit on. I think about that. <sighs> I won't say often, but like when I do, it's such a powerful thought because I wholeheartedly believe your concept of self cannot exist in a silo. It just can't like, right. because, mm-hmm. you know, you have these different roles and or identities yep. that you hold that only exist in a social context. You know, like yep. I'm a black person, like right. that is a social construct, mm-hmm. you know, queer and like a woman, I'm a daughter, I'm a sister, like. Right. From all these things. And there's actually the majority, I think, of who we understand ourselves to be tends to be socially informed. Oh, yeah. You know? And so I agree. I mean, well, maybe you didn't say that that's what you thought. But, like, I believe that. Totally. No,
0: I I do too, I think. And that's where it gets complicated. Mm -hmm. I mean, well, everything's complicated, but it's just like, (laughs) okay, so if we know that, then it's like, do we have to be particularly picky Mm. about who we have in our life knowing that Mm. they exist as mirrors to us? (sighs) I've been trying to think about that, right? It's like, all these people don't understand me. Mm. because they're projecting all of my history whatever through their lens and they think they see me in some way when really I'm probably the only one who ever has been here with myself the whole time (laughs) but I know exactly and then so it's like okay so the people I have in my life act as these mirrors and they all see different sides of me right it's like where am I in that who fucking
1: knows man I I don't that's a great question And I think you struck, I can't remember if you said this word specifically, but to me, it just reminds me a lot about balance Mm. that I think oftentimes we start posing questions and I, you know, this gets into a whole other tangent that we could probably talk about forever, but you know, binaries are so conditioned For us where I think most times the way we ask questions tends to be very binary like Mm. who am I like am I this or am I that and I'm like most of the time like it's just a both thing where for example when you enter the factor of time like I think a lot about the definition of who we are isn't even who we are right now in our the phase of our life like the real answer is who we are over the course of our entire life. Like by the time we die, that's the aggregate. Is that the right word? Cumulative, whatever. Like, that's the real answer. And then again, you have to add on the factor of who we've been to to strangers. We've encountered who we've been to our family and friends, like all Mm. of that stuff kind of comes together with the picture of who we are. And then even then, then even then, I don't know what I'm saying, but yeah, <laughs> even I'm then I think a lot about like, what are we really trying to get at when we ask that question of who we are? Like, is it even yeah. like, why is that question so important mm. at the end of the day? That's another question I think of because I'm like, I think it comes maybe a little bit from that human tendency towards fear of like the unknown and like
0: Yes. We just yes. want so
1: badly to feel grounded and safe and stable. And so we think that if we understand who we are, then we'll feel more safe. Yeah. And I just think that's a really misguided <laughs> feeling, Certainly. you yes. know, so, and but again, balance because you can't, you can't just toss away that question exactly. altogether, you yeah. know, so. Right. Yeah.
0: Right, because there are things that we do that we'll notice are not in alignment with us, right, yes. and what our values are. And so we can mm-hmm. feel those moments and be like, so there is some concept of self yes. here, Yeah. but then, yeah, to try and define it too rigidly and, like, say this is who I am I think is way too restrictive when, like, the reality is that we are changed, right? Us yes. as beings are changed in society and the world is changed. Nothing yeah. is ever static. And so, like, even in this dynamic now, like, I am perpetually changed by having this interaction where I'm not the same person I was before we started. Right. And wow. that is always going to be in existence. So it's like, probably if there was an answer, it's like, we are change.
1: Ooh. Who we are, right? Wow. I love that. I <laughs> it love doesn't that feel good, good though. though right? like, that's the
0: problem it. is like, no, I don't like that.
1: Yeah. Ugh, I hate that's it. such a, Another funny concept about like, <sighs> you know, that question of what we want versus what we need. Uh... And so often like, <laughs> I just feel like things that are good for us, don't feel that great.
0: <laughs> okay, so ending this relationship did yeah. not feel great at all. Oof. Yeah, this relationship—if like you can hold a little bit of space for me right now—totally would yeah, love for to. Sure. Um, so I don't know what I'm doing with my life. First off, <laughs> let's just be very clear. Um, second off, I try to exist within a poly framework and like the concepts of relationship anarchy. Have you heard about these? I am in love with those things. So okay, go for it. Right, exactly. So you're Mm -hmm. like, cool, like let's not have labels, let's let things unfold naturally. Great. I meet this really awesome person that I'm very into, but she does not she's more monogamous leaning and wants to have kids. But we keep finding this energy that we're both really enjoying out of each other. Yeah. But then the same pole dynamic of her kind of being like, I need to hold space for the future me that wants to have kids, and so I'm gonna Mm -hmm. pull away from our relationship to some degree, and me being wanting to lean in and going through that cycle repeatedly and realizing that Shit, I deserve so much more than someone who thinks that we're incompatible and does this kind of push pull whenever it suits their future and not mine. Oof. And I'm just like, oh my God, I'm, I, and this person wants to keep hanging out with me and I want to keep hanging out with them. But realizing that, damn, enacting this boundary is not only going to be beneficial for me, but also for her to achieve the life that she wants because she wants a different one.
1: Totally. How long were you two together?
0: Ugh, since. Well, it together is because of this, like, cycle thing is relative, but since June, so what, like, almost six months of this, like, back and forth dynamic.
1: That's real. That's real. Mm -hmm. I mean, so who, how did it conclude
0: uh, we were, like, engaging in intimacy, and she kind of expressed that she still has so many hesitations about us being compatible and wanted to pull back in some of the romantic expressions, to which I said, this isn't healthy for me, and I need to walk away, despite it not being what I want to do. Good for you. Well, thank you. It does not feel good, about, no. right? Like, that's right, right when you said that, of, like, sometimes enacting the things that we know are best for us doesn't feel good. Yeah. It's like I know this is not what I wanted to do at all, but it's like that, this dynamic is not changing and so it's like yeah. So, sometimes you just have to like really just do what's best for you even though it doesn't Sometimes
1: happen. you have to do the thing, do the <sighs> hard thing.
0: Okay, but if you're in a relationship anarchy space like Yeah, you might This is an interesting question. When someone doesn't want to engage in romanticism anymore, but you don't want to cut them out of your life because you allow for the fluidity of all these different dynamics, but you feel romantic desires that are not being reciprocated and that hurts. And so it's like, how do you navigate this? Totally. It's so complicated.
1: So complicated. And I I totally think it's case by case and person by person, for sure. Yeah. Because... And it's fluid, even then, like you could respond a certain way based on where you are right now in this phase of your life. Fast forward 10 years, you might respond completely differently. For sure. Um, So for me, it's one of those things where it takes a lot of self-awareness, right? Mm -hmm. About like, one, what you need, what you want. And then I think a big question is, what are you willing to sacrifice or what are you willing to... Try even. Um, I think that's a huge question because hmm. for me, yeah. As I look at my own romantic history, I've had such a pattern of disproportionate, like unrequited love. Like where Ooh. I'm on the receiving end, we are just Hi. kin here. Yes. <laughs>
0: yes, I'm here with you. I'm Please just. Help. <laughs> I've, yeah, I've been
1: constantly in that dynamic uh. where I think I have a certain sensitivity level to that particular thing to where if I'm put in that situation, I probably would not stay as long as maybe someone else would because I'm just, like, over it. Like, I, I've i experienced too much hurt from that thing that it, yeah. it would be really hard for me to stick it out or, like, right. try for a really long time. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm saying. It's, like, case by case. It's factor by factor, person by person – really depends on the full picture that you're looking at but you know that's not to say I never would do that cuz like say i've like say i'm in a committed relationship that is poly mm-hmm. and we've been together for a year or something yeah. like that and then they bring up to me that they want to change the dynamic somehow that's totally different because i've committed and built something with that person so that's another factor right. that would change yes. perhaps my choice of how long I would be willing to try something with that person because I care about them because I want, you know, like all that stuff. So, yeah, I don't know. It really, really depends. And I'll say like, not only am I relatively new to relationship anarchy, non-monogamy mm-hmm. po- polyamory, yeah, yeah yeah but in general, I just have not been a person to date that
0: often. Mm. Um,
1: I can, I would say that I've never been in a serious committed relationship before, Yeah. So then you put all of those things together again, and it just again further um, makes the picture further unique, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. How has it been being, do you identify as Polly? I do. I do identify as Mm Polly. Can you tell me more about what that's been, that journey? When I got introduced to it, it
1: reminded me of like the same ways I felt when I identified as queer or like mm-hmm. when I went on mm-hmm. that journey. So yeah. I, I started identifying as queer when I was in college. Okay. So that was like maybe six or seven years ago at this point. And what happened for me is like, not only do I – Resonate with these identities, but I really resonate with like the theory behind those things, like queer theory and poly theory. Yeah, they really apply beyond romantic relationships, so they apply to my platonic relationships and they just apply to my life in general. Yep. And so, specifically when it comes to poly, the biggest takeaway was um, needs being met and how Mm. you have to diversify where you get those things from and in particular i think it's really important to make sure your base like within yourself is strong enough to carry <sighs> you through most things yeah. or what's i'm i'm trying to get the right language here but you just want to never put down your relationship with yourself and to mm-hmm. be in constant relationship with yourself to date yourself to love yourself and like learn more about yourself and continue to practice important skills of showing up Mm -hmm. for yourself. Because I really was also consistently put in these positions of witnessing really unhealthy relationships. And a lot of the time it was like, oh yeah, codependence for sure. And so that really turned me off from Mm. codependence and this thought of like, "Ah, just there's so many iterations of codependence. And so- yeah, this journey of like seeing that not work out very well. And then um, I'm actually, you know, I'm thankful for my journey that I, it just so happened that I hadn't gotten into committed relationships. But within that time, I just happened to get to know myself a lot more and know what it felt like to be full in my own life without a relationship. And I think I kind of fell in love with the idea of never really letting that feeling go of like, I'm full in myself and I want to go to events on my own. I want to have my own life separate from a relationship. Yeah. And I really like flirting. Um, I just am a flirtatious person and uh-huh. I really like flirting. And, you know, this is also different across the spectrum of non-monogamy and poly, where I know myself to be a person who um I'm also exploring like sub- I won't say sub, but just different identities within the sexuality community yeah. where I think I fall on the, um, demisexual or like gray ace spectrum where like I'm not that interested in having sex that often. I'm just not, but I don't ever want to feel like I can't mm-hmm. explore that. Or I should say like I can't tell yeah. my partner about those things. For like. Sure. That's a lot of what toxic monogamy looks like is like you can't tell someone about your desires. You can't have those desires even, you know, and I'm like, Mm -hmm. it's really that stuff that I wanted to remove from relationships that I want to build. Like I don't ever want to feel like my natural desires are antithetical to the success of my relationship because I think that's super toxic, really um, sets you – Perfectly up for resentment and mm-hmm. all of those gross things. Yeah. Um, so it's like I'm I might be talking all over the world at this point I'm about it. You. But if you're with me, then great.
0: I am with you. It's yeah. really
1: just about the pillars of non-monogamy of like yes. any conversation is valid. Your feelings and desires are not altogether negative, mm-hmm. and we can have an open, honest discussion about those things. And um, that. You being an independent person from this relationship is celebrated yeah. and is something really important um, for us both to support and encourage mm. and nurture in each other. Yeah, so those are the things that I would say, like how I understand Polly for myself and what it means to me. But mm. what, about, what about you? What are your thoughts?
0: Oof. Oof. I mean, one, I'm just resonating with you so much. I had read the book uh, More Than Two.
1: Mm. i I've never
0: heard of that book. Okay. It is – wow. Okay. If you've not heard of this book, I would highly, highly, highly recommend. It's all about ethical non-monogamy and specifically polyamory and like how do you do these dynamics and learn to trust in your sense of self-worth and not go into this scarcity mindset yes. of love and abundance. And like when I read that book, I was just devouring it. And wow, like these ideas, these pillars, the value system behind all of this is so beautiful. And I resonate so much so that I was like, yes, this is what I want to do. Um, I think in practice and doing that with people is mm-hmm. can be hard at times, especially if people are not coming from the same space I've found from my own experience. Uh-huh. But I think – I I like the concepts of relationship anarchy, right? Like the concept yeah. that we shouldn't say a platonic relationship is somehow less valuable than a romantic or sexual one. But the totally. thing is like within our current society and culture, if I stayed single for the rest of my life and just had deeply platonic relationships, other people would look at me as if I'm missing something of the equation mm-hmm. of life. And it's, like, that mindset is – this is actually what I'm studying for my dissertation. It's, like, that mindset I think is just fascinating. Like, how is that fucking up our whole experience of relationships that, like, we put so much emphasis on the romantic and sexual ones that we're not able to truly have deep attachment and meaning through these platonic relationships or whatever form they take? Yep. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) so yeah you're tracking with me um I think solo polyamory is probably it sounds very much so what you were talking about right of this importance of connecting with ourselves first of having that relationship with ourselves and I think that's easier also easier said than done what does that look like you know what I mean and I don't have the answers at all
1: Same. No, no. (laughs) We're just asking very good questions, and I think that's also something incredible to celebrate. Mm. But I, but I hear you because even as you're talking, yeah, I think the a lot of these ways of life that I think have been becoming more and more normalized, or popularized over the past maybe like five to ten years. It still involves, at the same time as you're learning about those things and trying to apply them, you have to unlearn oh. contradictory Oof. things yes. to those. And I'm like, All the time. it's just, I just so appreciate us talking about this right now because mm. it reminds me to congratulate myself and like yeah. really focus on like you're doing the best you can. Ugh with yeah. all of this stuff and i think it's incredibly brave for folks like us who can't well uh, who just choose not to ignore those like mm. those dinging moments like you know at one point or another both of us felt a draw to this concept of polyamory yep. and it would have been one thing to just say that sounds really fucking hard I'm not going to do that. And I'm going to instead, you know, repress and just make repression normalized, right. In our own lives. But instead, you know, we made those choices say, no, like there's some type of truth calling to me around this. And I'm going to do the thing where I lean into it, you know, so doesn't feel good. Like we said, like some, and sometimes it does, you know, like sometimes there's this really like, euphoric like epiphany moments but sometimes it's really challenging and painful um but i just think it's something to be really celebrated that the choice itself was being made because the alternative is i think yeah just being less of yourself and therefore like less human which i yeah would not for anybody you know right Exactly.
0: Mm-hmm. And once you've opened your eyes to these concepts, I feel like it's really hard to go back. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Do you ever feel like when you're describing these concepts to people, sometimes people who are monogamous feel like you're shitting on monogamy?
1: Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think. Like, I'm so grateful for the network of folks that I have because yeah. I don't think I've remembered – feeling any type of response like that I would say it's more like the couple of times that I've told people that I'm like I think I might be on the asexual spectrum it's that that I've gotten a lot of pushback on and I think it I as it was happening I was relatively aware that I I thought these things were coming from projection more than anything Um, Because when I was telling people about, like, why I felt I might be in that spectrum, a lot of people's response was like, well, isn't that just normal? Like, I would tell people, like, you know, under what circumstances I like or don't like having sex or what type of relationships I needed. And a lot of times people were just like, that just seems normal. And I was like, Mm. I don't – I hate that you said that, (laughs) you know? And so – I don't know. I, I, this is definitely a tantrum from the Polly thing. I would say for Polly, a lot of, a lot of responses have been like either same, I feel that way. Or like, that's cool. Like I get why you think that. And I think that has a lot to do with the friends that I surround myself with and the type of people right. I surround myself with. Definitely. So very grateful for that. Um, but yes, it did remind me that like there it's just a hop, skipping away those very same people there are certain identities that they just don't understand mm-hmm. or like, understandably so, because given the conditioning we're under, but, you know, there's certain projections that come out a little easier yeah, from people. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, and when they say that, that's so invalidating to you and your lived experience. Totally.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so that was not great. and the f- No. It's not funny. I definitely process trauma with humor, but – just healthy. Wanna, you know, true. Thank you. Yep. Appreciate that affirmation and validation. Um, one of those people was my therapist. And mm. that was like, I'm sorry, what did you yeah. just say? It's just like when stuff like that happens, it's just really like, <sighs> fucking sucks. Yeah, it just fucking sucks, you know? Because even if, I think my thought is like, when someone comes to you with something like that, Um, It's definitely not for you to say what is normal or what makes sense. And if anything, something I've been learning is how powerful questions are. Mm. Like, and not questioning someone, that's a different vibe, but like just posing questions of like, well, why do you think that? Or like, where where did you hear about this? Or like, what do you think might be next for you? Or like stuff Mm -hmm. like that, as opposed to trying to impose your feelings opinions or thoughts on someone else and let me not even try to come off as like me being on my high horse because a part of me thinking about how important questions are is because I was on the other end of that too I tend to be yeah it's it's something I'm working on but I tend to like (laughs) just feel so passionate about what people are telling me that I'm like well this is what that makes me think of or like have I don't know like it can just be a little more yeah about my own thoughts and feelings and I had a a tough time with a friend that I actually had to um end a friendship recently Oof, before tough. moving and I it was from the conflict that we had that I realized how often um that I was stating my opinions as a to asking her more questions, um, mm. and I could, in retrospect, I see the harm that that probably did to our relationship. Um, so yeah, questions. It just makes me think how powerful asking questions can be, and how Certainly. like supportive it can really be. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm.
0: Have you heard um, of the book The Four Agreements? <gasps> yes, I have that on. <laughs> I love that <laughs> book so much. Yeah. yeah, and it made me
1: – you can totally – It just also when you said th- something about mirroring earlier, mm. it reminded me of that book too. But yeah. please go on with whatever thought train you Yeah, had. yeah,
0: yeah. I think as you were speaking, the process of asking questions I think is leaning into the curiosity of the person before us instead of mm. making the assumption that we understand their whole lived experience, whatever they're experiencing, and we get it so much so that – let me give you my advice. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? And, like, that's what those people are doing to you when you come mm. to them saying that you identify as asexual and they're, like, mm-hmm. putting that through their lens, making assumptions about who you are, mm-hmm. and then giving you back advice that is not helpful to the situation. Totally. And, I I mean, I appreciate you also saying you're not on your high horse because, like, yeah, I do this all the time. And I like to think that it's out of a place of love of us wanting to care and maybe save people from a situation that we've already, like, suffered through mm-hmm. in some way. But it's Yeah. I I'm I'm resonating with what you're saying of asking questions and it's a good reminder to myself too that there's so much in that.
1: <sighs> totally. And yeah. and even on that it's like cuz it reminds me again of like that level of projection cuz some of it I think comes from care, especially when you know that person really well.
0: Yeah.
1: Yet at the same time, particularly as I keep thinking about those moments when I was telling people about thinking I might be asexual, and the way they responded, I think a lot of times it comes from, again, fear of, like, well, what does this mean, like, for me? Or, like, you know, like, and I just think when people are forced again, yeah, because sometimes the way we interact with each other, I think we show each other pieces of of ourselves that maybe we're not even ready to meet or, Mm. like, interact with. And that makes people really cagey and very defensive and very, like, yeah, yep. met again, with this question of who am I? And it can be really overwhelming. And so, oh, these are sometimes I zoom out and just look at humans as like these precious little, oh, just these poor beings that we just try our best, but it's such a shit show sometimes.
0: Oh, I know, we're just little ants. Like on a cosmic sm- like scale of the yes. whole universe, we are smaller than ants. It is so wild, yet here yeah. we are in all these complex webs of different things that we're trying to figure out, and it is so difficult.
1: Literally, literally, and
0: particularly difficult in our time, for which um a mm. lot of like industrialization and all these other things have allowed us so much free time, yeah. more so than humanity has ever had to sit with these questions and to actually think about these things and try to find answers when maybe they don't exist. You know, I mean, Not we're true. just really just trying to
1: have more time and I more know. information than is possibly even beneficial to us.
0: Exactly, it's a different yeah. Dilemma that we're facing as a culture, especially with the internet and everything. It is fascinating to see how humanity is unfolding right now. True. So true. But yeah, I was thinking as you were saying that the same way when um, queer folks started asking for marriage, I mean – heterosexuals said, well, what does that say about my marriage? It's like, it says nothing actually at all about at you. At all. <laughs> no, at all. And so the same sort of thing, like you bring up, you know, I might be asexual or me bringing up polyamory and these right. sorts of things and people saying, well, that is a threat to my sense of this world. So I can't handle that.
1: Exactly. Oh, we're so, we can just be so fragile so yeah. much of the time. And again, theme of self-awareness is what I'm hearing from you because when you are grounded in who you <laughs> – here we are again – and who you understand yourself <laughs> to be, but, like, when you feel
0: yeah.
1: as grounded as you can, then, like, someone mm. showing you who they are does not feel threatening because it has no, nothing to right. do with you. Right. But, boy, has insecurity been bred into us from a young <sighs> age. So Yeah. Yeah.
0: Makes sense. I mean, we're social creatures. We want to find a community that accepts us and allows us to feel safe. True. And it's fascinating that especially with things like Instagram, we've created this sense of community that is way bigger than it's ever been before, that we have so many people that we are imagining are imagining that we want to please. Yeah. And that gets so much harder when we're like, wow, I want to fit into this group, but who's in this group is huge. Yes. Huge.
1: Yeah. And then and a just, lot, I think, a lot of that we even make up who that, like who these oh people God, yeah. are and what you what they want from you. So much yes. of that is just like in our own brains.
0: I literally have a quote on my fridge that I wrote out, and it says, um, "You can decide your audience." Wow! All the time. That's right? big. That's big. Because we just like whoever we think that audience is. That's how we try and shape and try to meet these expectations, and it drives me crazy that so much of our experience is literally just even. Here in our brain, yeah, totally. I'm just so sick of it. Like, I want to find the reality of the truth, and I keep coming back to the like, it's me, it's my it's brain, me. Like,
1: I, it's just my own simulation. Oh <laughs> yes, no, <Totally>. yes,
0: exactly. <laughs> and that's so scary because then you're like, wow, I have the power, depending on my perspective, to either make this seem like a great thing or a horrible thing, just because of this.
1: So true, my brain, you
0: know. Yeah, just like, just- <laughs>
1: fuck, <laughs> totally. Yeah. I mean, I wonder, have you ever felt, because I feel this way sometimes, mm. I'm curious if you've ever felt like part of the fear is like making, like coming to terms with that level of power and that level of responsibility. You know yes. what I mean?
0: Yes.
1: Isn't that just like, I think it to me circles back to the fact that the ch- the child in us never dies and I feel mm-hmm. like we navigate the world with that inner child so often and where when I think about the fact that it is up to me how I perceive my life and for the most part like what I do is up to me mm-hmm. sometimes that feels very empowering but a lot of times that just feels terrifying and yes. I'm just like I just want someone to save me Yep. I just want to be four years old again. And, that you know, mm-hmm. that's a spectrum of experience because I don't want to assume everyone's had what you would hope every child experience would be. But for me, right. I just miss being like picked up out of a warm shower and wrapped in a towel and being put to bed, you know. And when I think, no, like you moved to Portland and it's up to you to make that feel good. I just want to be like forget
0: it like I don't want to do it exactly and then how does that show up in the relationships that we choose right totally because then at at least for me I tend to look for like a savior a mothering (sighs) energy in my partners because that's what I really want
1: yes and then you just get to a whole other level oh (sighs) man there's so much to it and I mean well that makes me ask like this is a question that I've brought to myself for the past couple of months what would you say you look for in a partner or in a relationship this might yeah <laughs> as I just said that I'm like wait this, is, this might be a it was no, literally yesterday there, I don't know so there
0: are no bad questions Great. I just need a moment to think about this before Fair I enough. answer because I don't your know your time <laughs> i think and part of that would make sense within a poly framework right like if we have a diverse set of needs like what would i need in a partner i don't even think that's the right answer right it's like what do i need in partners facts and it's uh because there's some sort of reality that i like I want to process that one person will never meet all of our needs, right? And I keep thinking like, oh, I'm going to find this one partner that jives with me on so many different levels and it's so good. But the reality is it's all these pieces and other people. And so if I were to take a step back, I did watch a YouTube video that was talking about what you need in a relationship. So maybe I'll kind of give you that regurgitated answer and then think about it more. But the video was talking about how we need partners that are able to see us and hold us and to just grow with us and it'd be that simple like regardless of your shared interest whatever whatnot just having someone that you can do that level of vulnerability and being held Mm. and seen in like it was that was it I was like that might be a good answer to this right like what are we looking for someone who can hold us and that we can do that back to whatever that may be in our individual interest especially within a poly framework of honoring the independence of all these different people and like yeah how can we find people who do that and who inspire us to do that back to them? Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's awesome. Was there more? No, I don't thoughts? know.
0: <laughs> I think I want I want answers of like, what am I looking for? Yeah. But like, I think my higher self would be like, that was the answer. So I yeah.
1: think, yeah. I never quite heard of that before, but I also really, really resonate with that mm. so hard. I'd been asked by a friend, you know, what are you looking for from a relationship? And I remember basically I'd answered it more about like what values I'd want my relationship to. It's also really good. You know, and I think that's really good. Um, And this just happened to be the same friend that I had to end the friendship with. It's this whole thing that. So painful, so much grief related to that for sure. Can
0: we honor that for a moment?
1: Sure. I would love that because it's been, it's just been so defining is the word that I would say, like for the past six or seven months, because we also lived together and that was, it was a mess. It truly was a mess. And so I'm in this phase of trying to like, you know, heal and like, what's the word kind of just untangle my sense of self-worth from that experience, which is really difficult. Mm -hmm. And then relationship anarchy comes into play because this was a person that like, I had talked about, like maybe we get married down the line and like not be romantic partners, but like life partners, stuff Mm -hmm. like that. So when, when that fallout came about, it was, um, pretty world shattering for sure. Um, so, you know, I don't want to get too off track. I'm happy to circle back to this because mm. it's something that I honestly probably need to talk about yeah, a lot. Okay, yeah. But I remember the reason I even brought that relationship up is because that friend had asked me about what I wanted from romantic partnership. And mm-hmm. when I answered with values, her response was like, Well, yeah, but you didn't really say much about what you want that person to be like. And that mo- moment really, same response. Yeah. Literally, I was like, I I never mm. forgot that moment because I was like, that does not align with me at all. Like, that doesn't make sense for me to want a person to be a certain type of way. Because, I mean, there's so many reasons. But maybe the easiest thing to say is like, I, any person that I've built a really authentic relationship with, Mm -hmm. I didn't like plan that. And there's so many qualities that are different between those people and I and I couldn't have predicted like, how it would still work even with all these differences and similarities like there's just no predicting that type of thing for sure and so for me to say for example I'm like well I need or like I want a partner that's also a creative anytime I've thought that way I'm like that just feels so restrictive and based on the way that I know myself I just know that there's so many different type of people that I can connect with and I have the um, capacity and the desire really to want you know the people that come into my life to be different from me in some type of way Mm -hmm. and you know it's it reminds me of this other like thought question that I had with that same friend so it's very clear I don't know that there were differences there but she'd asked me like would you ever date yourself and I said absolutely not because or let me rephrase like if you could um if you could have like a doppelganger version of yourself like would you date yourself and I said no absolutely not I would never do that One, because I'm already doing that. Like, why would I double that up? And two, I don't want someone who is exactly like me. Like, I don't want want the same traumas and the same, like, areas of growth. Like, Mm. one, that's very boring. But two, I think that's a perfect recipe for a lot of toxicity. Because if there's trauma that I already struggle to not shame myself for, to apply compassion towards put that in a person who is not me. Like I can't imagine how I would respond to that no, because yeah. it's also mirroring shit that I don't want to look at, you know? So mm-hmm. I was like, no, I would absolutely not want to date myself. And I think she understood that as a question of like, you know, no, it's about like self-love and blah, blah, blah. But I was like, no, I just think about it differently. And so all these, I'll right. just say, like, it's all having to do with like, yeah, like what you said about, I think baseline what I want from partnership I also like like what you said about not from a partner but from partnership in my life yeah I want my values in my and the values of the people that I'm in relationship with to be aligned and or compatible with yes. each other yeah. and um and then further like you said I want to have partnership and relationships in my life where I feel seen and understood and that there's a commitment to hold each other and be invested in each other's lives. Mm. It makes me think of the question of like, you don't get that quality. At least I don't think so. Like when you first start dating someone, you know what I mean? Of like feeling, well, maybe you do, but like feeling safe enough and vulnerable enough to like be held Mm. and be invested in. I think what freaks me out is like that takes time and that takes trying it out. Yep. And that's just another thing that I'm like, Oh, I fucking hate that. Like it makes sense, but mm. I'm just like, that's so scary to me of like yeah, for sure, having to say like, I could be unsure for a whole month, but I still to a certain extent might need to stick it out or I don't know. Like, maybe that wasn't even a question, it came across my brain as a question. But I guess maybe what what are your thoughts about that, that it takes time to be Mm. rather sure that this is a person that you feel you hold each other, you know, that's not something that comes off the bat. So how is it a
0: yeah, I don't know. Does this question yeah, make yeah, sense? It does. This makes sense. Thought? It does. Yeah. I think I, yeah, it's hard for me to not think about my relationships in this situation and be like, where are we doing that? Yeah. And so I'm trying to stick with you. Um, And so like, I, I think, yes, it takes repeated time and demonstration, a lot of relationships with people. I mean, this is inevitable. We have two humans. Mm -hmm. Completely different perspectives, completely different brains. We're trying to communicate through a language that has been established, but even that is coded through our experience of the world, okay? Wow. The fact that the two of us are going to connect is going to be – fucking impossible we're gonna try our best we're gonna try our best every time but the reality is we're gonna hit heads and disconnect so many times and so much of relationships are about the repair of like yes we have disconnected here and how do we come back to meet each other and try again and try again and having a relationship where you have that dynamic where is that where there is that understanding Mm
1: -hmm. and that when the
0: rupture happens when the rupture happens you don't panic
1: Mm-hmm. I think is
0: how you get to that security phase of understanding, wow, I can come to this person with my full self. We might not see eye to eye here, but we know that we're doing our best and we're gonna come back to each other even in those moments of rupture. Wow. Easier that... said than done. Again. Totally. Like, I, yeah, totally, like, what totally. Does that mean? <laughs> like,
1: Gosh. Yeah. I mean, and it, it's funny, I mean, because <sighs> I just feel you on these. A lot of the topics we're talking about, at least right now, as we're talking about, like, poly and, like, just relationship skills, relational skills, I would say, I also cannot help but to think of this friendship for sure. And, like, same with you. Like, I mean, again, these things cannot exist in a silo. Of course, they relate to our real-life experience. Um, But that was a a big thing, too, in this conflict of, like, so many ruptures um, and trying to come back together for repair. And so much so that like it became really hard, or I, I should say, I'm stuck right now with this feeling that like mm-hmm. just this uncertainty around my skill level when it comes to rupture and repair. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah, not only, so sorry, go ahead.
0: No, I said, tell me more.
1: Yeah, not only because this is not this. I think another struggle with this experience with my my friend was that this was not the first time a fallout like this has occurred in my lifetime. Mm, And so there was actually a a point in my later years in college where I'd lost maybe like, like four or five friends in a matter of like three or four months. Um, And it wasn't related. Like we weren't all in like the same circle. It wasn't like the same issue. It just happened that these friendships did not last for various Mm -hmm. reasons. But all of them ended in ways that were really painful. And like, Mm. I felt really hurt and like all of these um, themes of abandonment and like all that stuff came up. So it's been a while since that was the case, but it's not the first time. And so it just brought back a lot of, uh, I think, just something that I've been tasked to work with for a while, which is Mm. like, you know, accepting that. People do grow differently and you know yeah. the whole I love just the cat. <laughs> the cat.
0: cat butt just straight the across the screen in a amazing. most emotionally vulnerable time. It's perfect. <laughs> it really is. Wait, what is your cat's name? Uh fat cat. Fat cat? Yeah. She's not fat, <sighs> but that's so name. <laughs>
1: precious. Great. Hi, I think baby. we can always use a little like wholesome. <laughs>
0: Oh yeah. Wholesome Wholesome, break.
1: (laughs) Wholesome break and energy. Um, yeah. yeah, But I mean, all to say is just like this experience has been a lot of grief and a lot of pain. And I think a huge part of that is because it's not the first time. So it, it brought up this question of like, I think it makes sense. It's like this question of like, well, is it me? Like, is there a pattern that I need to work on? And not only engaging in that question but not making it a conversation of shame or like we don't need any of those secondary emotions that's something I came across really recently like trying to practice just feeling the thing you feel and not having another feeling about that feeling usually those secondary emotions are like not helpful at all um so so yeah I mean maybe it is a pattern of like Either the folks that I get really drawn to, and or the way I approach relationships might be leading towards um, something, but it's all about like, yeah, lots of questions about my role in those things um, and what I can learn about how to mitigate similar outcomes in the future, but also balancing that with realizing you know relationships end and people change and relationships change, and sometimes it's not about. Figuring out something and you know, Mm -hmm. it just can be life sometimes. So those are really, really heavy things that relate to an experience like this. And I would assume, you know, you know, because a fallout with a platonic relationship in the lens that we're talking about relationship anarchy, like breakups with romantic partners Um, Yes, these relationships are different, but grief over losing someone is grief over losing someone. You know what I mean? Yes.
0: Yes. And Mm. I frequently feel like that is not given enough space Mm. to honor the importance of that. And I mean – as someone going into the psychology field, it's fascinating. We have couples therapy for romantic couples. It's like mm. if true relationship anarchy would mean having therapeutic spaces for relationships like this as well. Like totally. you want to talk with this someone, have that space and have it have that value and worth of spending the time to digest all of this stuff because relationships across the board are complex. Yeah. I feel like she's going to hit me for not paying attention to her. That has <gasps> happened multiple times while recording. She'll sit here and look up at me like that like and I'm in like the chatting face? and – Yes, no <laughs> nails, no nails. So she's like, sweet, but like, bitch, you're not paying attention to me. <laughs> like,
1: I think it's so funny when cats hit things. It's just so like, <laughs> the sound is resounding. Like, it's a good, <laughs> solid thump. And I really love that for cats. Yeah. Like, good for them.
0: Yeah. As you were speaking, hmm. a couple of things were coming to mind. Yeah. You're asking this question, like, is it me? Yeah. <laughs> and the answer is probably yes. That's and real. the And the answer is no all at the same time, right? Mm -hmm. Like earlier in the conversation, we were talking about like why do we have to have the answers all the time to these sorts of questions? Mm -hmm. And like you're really probably pushing yourself like is this me? Is this me? And it's Mm -hmm. like yes and no. Yeah. Because the four agreements, right? Don't take things personally. Personally. Mm -hmm. Half of what this battle is you're with a whole different human who has a whole different experience of the world. Mm -hmm. And painfully, in so many ways they will understand you, but in so many ways they will not. Yes. So it's it's a yes and, right? Like I'm yeah. sure there's ways that we can continue to build these skills and equally understand that it's not always our fault. Like relationships are such a shared dynamic of energy that and I'm sure you've felt this and there's literature on this about how people can have different attachment styles yes. depending on who they're in relationship with. Yes. It's like these are such co-created energies. So, yeah, maybe it was you, but maybe it also was that person and mm-hmm. how you – the two of you came together to yeah. share that space.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hear you. My inner child was so sad when you just said that, but like <laughs> I know. totally hear you and it's very valid. It's <sighs> still a very sensitive –
0: A little pill to swallow. (laughs) Mm, I know, I know, I know. Do you want to share more about it? Like, would it be Mm. helpful to talk about it? I
1: wonder. um, I suppose. I think, like, the thing that calls to me the most about this experience was the crux of the conflict came from me setting a really firm boundary around... Mm -hmm. Um, form, like the form of support I was able to give because yeah. this um friend was going through a breakup at the time. Mm-hmm. And it just got to the point that I didn't feel I had the capacity to take on that energy. Not just like I didn't, I never made a boundary to completely close off support. Yeah. I just needed to reduce the way I showed up. Because in my own sphere of experience, I had just left my job at the time. Um, mm. I was a nanny, and um, this was before most folks were getting vaccinated. So um, yeah. the parent needed to travel a lot more, and I couldn't. It just wasn't safe. So I had to leave my job. Um, my friend was working from home, so we were just around each other all of the time, yeah. Yeah, which yeah. was really difficult. Um, and then, you know, just an international trauma of a pandemic was occurring and, you know, racial conversations, political, I should even just widen that like political unrest is, is also a huge factor. And then Mm -hmm. we're also in our twenties, which is the prime phase of like, what am I doing? What's next? And then we're experiencing that at a time where planning the future is impossible. A shit show. Yeah. So You know, I knew, I was aware that like um, the tensions we were feeling and like Mm -hmm. the struggles to understand each other weren't necessarily coming from, I just, I guess I was aware that external factors were at play, but I also knew I had to set boundaries because I was so unwell from it all. Like, Yeah. yeah, it was just too much to, to constantly almost every day be having these conversations with my friend about. Mm -hmm. Um, what she was going through. I just didn't have the emotional space for it. But, um, and I will also say this was one of the first times in a really intimate relationship that I'd ever set a firm boundary. So this was like the beginning of me working on boundary setting. Um, So, all to say like when I think about how things went down, I do feel a lot or I try to remember the amount of like Um, I'm just really proud of myself for doing it because I keep looking back and I'm like, there really was no, well, um, there was another option, but similarly to when we were talking about repression being an option, is it really an option? Like, no, I, the other option would have been to repress my needs and to constantly self sacrifice my energy to make her feel supported (sighs) and seen. And I'm like, I just didn't have space for that. And I think it was hard for her to navigate the change in energy exchange. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. And then after that, it just kind of became a snowball effect of the amount of just various traumas came into play um, at that point. And so it was really messy and really painful. And like you said, um, there were definitely roles that I played um, when it came to – how I communicated about the boundary and my needs. Um, I think I met someone recently that explained it as like, um, when you're new to boundary setting, sometimes instead of boundaries, you set electric fences is what they (laughs) said. And I was like, that makes a lot of sense. (laughs) (laughs) And so I think sometimes my vibe was very electric fence instead of like lovingly communicating a boundary and, you know, mm. that's just one example. But, you know, when I think about yeah. how that probably impacted the way she received the boundary yep. um, and like the proclivity to feel love from that moment versus not, you know, it just yeah. makes me think about, yeah, I can see how I would hope to do things differently in the future. Mm. um, yeah. But the situation was exactly as it had to be because. I was learning, like I also didn't know, and I can't be upset with myself for not doing it perfectly the first time,
0: you know. So yeah,
1: yeah. At the end of the day, I did what I needed to do, and I did the best that I could, which is
0: at the time
1: back to um, the four agreements. I I did my best. I really did.
0: Yeah, Yeah, exactly, and i'm as I'm hearing you talk, mm. I know you are what and I'm not the person to even say this, right, but you were wondering like, is it me in these relationships? I just want to honor the fact that you are holding so much space for this other person's reality. Mm. And if there is ever a sign of a good relational quality, I think it is that is being able to see Mm. your actions Mm. and equally understand your intent, but still recognize that someone else could take that completely differently. And holding that nuance is so, so hard and complex because it's like two capital T truths. And so I just want to honor you for a moment to say that you're doing that hard work and that Mm. is not easy. I appreciate
1: that so much. (sighs) I could cry. That that really does land so well as like a much mm. needed affirmation so I really appreciate yeah, that I do of
0: course yeah mm-hmm. how did she respond when you enacted the boundaries I think that's a key
1: yeah it it was different depending on the conversation because we returned turned mm. to discussing this boundary more than once um but when I first when I first told her about the boundary, I said, I need to take a step back and I can't show up in the same way that I have been because I, it's becoming too much for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, she told me that she understood and that it was valid for me to make this boundary. Going forward, as I continued to take more space because that was the thing, like it wasn't only around talking about that breakup. I just had a desire to be a little bit more isolated um, from the relationship itself, just for For a temporary period of time um, to gain some clarity, to gain some perspective. You know, it's really hard to understand what you need when you're in the midst of something, you know? Yes. Yes. So as the distance kept playing out, Um, it caused her a lot of harm and a lot of pain, um, and I would say feelings of abandonment, to Mm -hmm. where she would try to uh, start conversations about it, where I think the struggle was a lot of times I felt like those conversations were framed as, I feel that you don't care about me, and I feel like disrespected by you, basically. And that just pissed me off. <laughs> like, it just made me so mad. Of course, because you care about her. I do. And, it was, and I think, yeah, it was just so infuriating because to me, as I look back, I really wished we would have, and this is a both and thing, I wish we both could have been able to do a bit better at talking about this boundary. As partners together, like us Mm -hmm. both being on a team to understand what was going on and what we Mm -hmm. wanted to do about it. I think a lot of it, again, we I don't think we both knew this at the time, but it was very antagonistic. It was very Mm. like, I'm coming to this conversation. How do I explain this? Like, of course, it's natural to want to be heard and understood, but that desire overtook everything else where it's hard when someone tells you that what you've done hurts them, right? Like, it's like, I'm talking from my perspective, new boundary work, you know, like new skills, very, very sensitive topic. So me coming into a conversation, saying, you know, like, this is a boundary I need, and then that person's response being like, well, that boundary makes me feel like you don't care about me. Automatically, I'm like, well, fuck you, you can actually go, yourself like instead of being like okay that is your capital t yes. what do we want to do about that you know mm. and i it it yeah so it was again like i yeah. see both people's roles but speaking from my own perspective i think a lot of times the way she would bring up this conversation was that she felt like i just felt like i was a little bit of the villain in her story kind of thing where i'm like Which was contradictory because when I would tell her about the boundary and each time we would have this conversation, I would explain the reasons behind the boundary, the traumas behind my boundary, which doesn't feel good as a person to have to like constantly itemize and like almost like value assess my own trauma to convince your loved one that they, it would be good for them to put into effort to like respect this boundary. Like that doesn't feel good. And it just was so constant that these conversations would be that is like, well, I feel like you don't care about me. And I'm like, well, how many times do I have to explain? I do care about you. I love you. This is why I'm doing the boundary. And not only that, I also was like, well, here are some, some solutions that I think might help us. And I didn't yeah. feel, at least from my perspective, I did not feel the a similar level of um investment around solution identifying yeah nor did I feel that or I should just say like I did not perceive that she allowed the solutions to play out Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we would try these solutions for like a week or so and then again the same conversation of like I feel you don't care about me I'm like okay but can we talk about it more as like we're trying these solutions they're not working Here's what I'd like to change about that exactly. or here are some ideas. Like it was just – I think it's it was a really unfair dynamic where I was constantly put in this position to not only hold my own emotions and my own needs and my, my own part of the conversation, but I was almost put in this parenting role of having to identify her emotions and walk her through a conversation to identify her needs and wants. And it's just like it's really – it's just not fair to be put in that position no. so consistently. And, you know, I guess as I look at it, like I could only do that for so long until the amount of like, uh, calm and the amount of like, just the, the quality at which I returned to this discussion, I think depreciated over time.
0: Oh, for sure. You know,
1: and it's understandably yeah. so. So, Yeah, that it was it was it was it was it was was what it was. And it was really painful. But I really tried the best that I could. I stuck it out for so long. um, And it just got to a point where it felt clear that no matter what I did, that me taking space and not, not showing up around this uh, breakup it just seemed to me like no matter what I did that it was going to be perceived as non-caring and I also Mm -hmm. knew that there wasn't an option for me to to completely eradicate that boundary I was more than willing to compromise and to try different things um, but it felt like this energy of her just wanting me to not have the boundary at all and that just wasn't an option so yeah it just got to this point where I was like you know it seems like it makes the most sense for us to pause on deeper forms of friendship because we're not getting anywhere. And um, I'm also really proud that I communicated to her that there were certain patterns of communication and behavior that caused me a lot of pain and a lot of harm. Yeah. Yeah. I look, I look back on it and at least most recently I mostly feel a lot of grief and um, shame and like all those things, but I'm so grateful for this conversation because, oh, um, yeah, it's conversations and questions like this that help remind me that, yeah, the symptoms and or results of that conflict were what they were and they were painful, but I wouldn't change most of like what I did. And like, right. I was very valid to do
0: the things oh that God, I did, yeah. you know? Of course. Mm. Yes, of course. And, You were always, I'm sure, acting to the best of your capabilities. I feel like it's always nice to come back to that. I mean, now looking back on it, it's harder because you see it through a different lens. But Mm -hmm. at that moment, you're always trying to do your best. And I can resonate so much so with how difficult it is to love someone. And love yourself. yeah. And you have to hold both of those, right? And that moment of enacting your boundary, you're doing that out of a love for both of y'all and especially for you, right? But for her to take that as a rejection of your care for her, that's obviously going to hurt you. Yeah. Because you do care. Yeah. And so that is so hard to wrestle with the, the two capital T truths that this person, yes, has put you into a space of seeing you as a villain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that is such a painful reality to see yeah, and to recognize at the same time while that reality is true for that person, your reality of doing what's best for you and what's love for you and for this relationship is equally true. Mm -hmm. And that is so hard. And so, yes, of course, you're feeling grief and pride all at the same time. All of these emotions are so intertwined and I'm resonating with you on so many levels with my experience. Yeah? How so? Oh my God. I... If you want to hear the rest of this conversation, then you should tune in to next week's episode, which will be a part two where I'm going to disclose the pain of my most recent breakup. So yeah, if you are enjoying hearing Nexus J and I bounce ideas off of one another and explore relational skills, then you're going to enjoy next week's episode as well. So see you next week.